Who's that guy? You know who I am. Yeah, I know who I am. One for the players at the crib, dank and drinks, and two is for the sound hootie hoo that I make. Nice rap. Where did hoodies come from? I saw Val Kilmer once. He was walking outside of a dumpling shop in a trench coat. Don't use ketchup on your hot dog. Do the number one meal with a large root beer. I'm an emotional creature. Don't open that door! <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. The Nate Show podcast is presented by Safe Clicker Media Group. Please follow the show at The Nate Show on Facebook and at That's Nate Cox on Instagram. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. It's time. It probably wasn't the best idea to eat some biscuits and gravy and drink an energy drink before I did this, so I may, you know, need to pause and, and you know take a break every now and then and come up for air. But uh, you know, Jay Z had a lyric. Y'all know if you listen to the podcast before, I've used Jay Z lyrics and stuff for the intros and everything else. He said, in December fourth, he said the song December fourth. By the way, he didn't say this on December fourth, although he might have said this on December fourth if that's the day that he recorded it. But he said, no two days are alike except the 1st and 15th, pretty much. And that's kind of what we're looking at going forward. You know, with the Nate Show podcast, you can tell I'm already, you know, having to come up for air here. But, you know, this is part of the new schedule. Now, there will be other episodes and special things uh, between the 1st and 15th. There, You know, I, I try to, I, but for sure, I want to make that clear. For sure, there will be a new episode at least on the 1st and the 15th of every month. Um like I said, there'll be stuff between then. This uh, this audio form of the podcast will exist uh, wherever you're listening to it now. And by the way, if you haven't already, go to the thenateshow423.com. Uh, it's still kind of a work in progress, but there's still links to all the different places you can find the show on there, ways you can support the show on there. We'll be doing a lot of you know cool stuff going forward, making that kind of a one-stop shop to consume all things The Nate Show and some of the spinoff projects that I'll be working on coming up later this year as well but you know and i want to say too starting on march 1st there will be uh video versions of the podcast to coincide you know with this audio version now they may be released a day or two later we'll put those on you know facebook instagram that whole thing but you know i want to say real quick too before we go any further there's never really a good way to do this, but I wanted to say a brief word about my friend um, Alexis Clayton, who unfortunately this time about a week ago as I'm recording this um, was taken from us far, far, far too soon. Um, you know, there's uh, it's tough to do things like this. It's tough to even process, you know, when you see people all the time that, you know, it's something that we always say is they were taken from us too soon in this case um absolutely um she was just in her mid-20s and alexis for context by the way for anyone that doesn't know is someone that um i'd worked and done some comedy shows with and uh she's she was living in the knoxville area at the time of her um passing and um, we're doing, I'm actually going to Knoxville today that I'm uploading this podcast. I'll be driving to Knoxville. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a, a tribute, uh, to her and for her and to help her family and everything else. And, 
um, say some words about her and what she meant to us. And uh, I will just say this uh, briefly before I awkwardly move on to the rest of the episode is that she was, um, there aren't enough superlatives that you can throw um, out about her that that would adequately describe who and what she was. She was just an absolute, just, um, just massive ball of energy and of, of wisdom and of spirit. And, you know, they say, you know, big things come in small packages. She may physically not have had the you know biggest size but she was she was every bit as strong and, and powerful uh, of a person as you could be just to be around her and, and not even in an overwhelming sense but just that when you were in the same room as her you felt her presence you felt her talent you felt her humor uh, you felt her spirit and her kindness and you know I remember and you know hopefully and I don't want to make any promises here coming out of the tribute show. Hopefully we'll have some footage to share from that. And if not, that's fine too. It's not really about us. It's about her. Um, but I shared this in one of the tributes that we did already. And, you know, the first time I met her was in Kingsport, Tennessee. And, uh, we were doing a, and I'd mentioned this, it's funny. If you listen to the previous episode with Brandy Augustus, we talked about this briefly, but, uh, we did a game of Thrones roast, <clears throat> you know, in character and everyone showed up as a different game of Thrones character. I showed up as Spider-Man cause I'm an idiot. And I remember apologizing to her after the roast because I just, I felt uncomfortable because I was like, I don't really know. She was one of the few people in the room that I didn't really know. Now I had met even briefly all everyone else in the thing before and never met her, but I'd heard so much about her. And so I went up to her afterwards, still with my mask on again, because I'm an idiot and said, look, I'm sorry. And, you know, I hope that wasn't awkward. I don't know you. She goes, well, f- first of all, take off your mask. <laughs> so I can actually see who I'm talking to is take the mask off. And uh, she said, okay. She goes, it's Nate, right? Oh yeah, Nate. She said, don't ever apologize because it got a laugh, right? I go, yeah, I got a laugh. She goes, the laughter that you brought brought joy to the room and bringing joy to anyone is the most important thing we can do here. And I just remembered that always sort of summed up who and what she was. And any time I ever encountered her or thought about her, I just remembered that. And there was another time that I was in Knoxville for an acting gig and, you know, we grabbed coffee real quick. Um, the call time ended up moving up a little bit. So I had to, I felt terrible. I had to bail on her. And she had asked me upon leaving, she said, do you have someone to crash with tonight? If you have to stay in town? I said, yeah, my buddy, I usually stay with, um, you know, and I forget what happened. Something come up. I wasn't going to be able to stay there. And I didn't find that out until like late when I was on set. So I was just like, it's fine. I'll just drive home. Like it's not a big deal. It's only a two hour drive. Like who cares? I've done this before. And she texted me at like one in the morning. I was about to wrap up on set. And she said, hey, did you ever get your situation figured out? And keep in mind, I wasn't asking her. I wasn't like, hey, let me crash with you if I can't crash there. I never said anything like that. She was just asking. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Though I really tried to downplay because I didn't want her to have to feel like whatever. She texted me again, though, at like 1 in the morning and said, yeah, did you ever figure anything out? I said, no, nah, it's cool, though. I'm drive back home. I feel good. I just ate. Like, I've got plenty of energy. I'm good. And she texts me back, like, don't be stupid. She goes, I live like five minutes from where you're filming. Um, I'll leave the key under the mat just in case I'm asleep. Um, couch is ready for you. 
And it was just like, man, like, who does that? You know, just to always be thinking of other people and how she can serve and help other people. Uh, and that's, you know, how I'm always going to remember Alexis. And, uh, you know, there's several other memories. Some of those I'll share in Knoxville um, for the tribute and everything. But um, I just wanted to say rest in peace uh, to Alexis Clayton. Um, I miss you and I appreciate everything that um, you meant and that you did for me and for several of my friends and, and peers as well. So <clears throat> awkwardly, clunkily, let's transition into uh, what I wanted to talk about on today's episode of the podcast. There were two things, and this is going to kind of be all over the place. The first thing, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into it, is something that I've talked about um, on the podcast before, but it was sort of rekindled in my mind, and let's face it, most of you haven't heard that episode. I'm not even sure if it's still available, but I was... You know, driving down the road the other day, and I'm a weirdo that still listens to uh, terrestrial radio sometimes where I'm not on, you know, yes, I, li- I use my Apple Music a lot. Yes, I'll, you know, listen to satellite radio and this and that, kind of pick and choose. And But I was listening to regular radio and heard a song come on, and you'll know what song I'm talking about here in a second. But, you know, I think most people, especially with radio, they listen to things fairly passively. It's if you're driving or you're doing something... Um, it's kind of background noise. You don't really pay attention to it. And so I'm hearing this, um, and I would say this, it's a very radio friendly song, catchy, this and that. And then I started thinking, you know, what is this song about? So I'm listening and the songs are very, or the lyrics are very, uh, sexual in nature. They're very, um, alluring. They're very, uh, it's a female talking about, you know, her being willing to switch into any position for me. And by now, you know, I'm talking about Ariana Grande's new song, Positions. I think that's what it's, I don't know. I know that's what the album's called. I don't know if that's what the name of the song is, but actually I know that it's anyway. So, and I've, you know, I've listened to her music. I, it, from time to time, you know, I bop to her music. She's got some catchy tracks, but I started thinking about several other things as it relates to, not just that song, but to Ariana in general. And my question always comes back around to who is she making music for? Who is this for? Because if you're listening to the song passively, you're not listening to the lyrics. You just hear it. It's turned up and someone goes, hey, you know, what is that or whatever? My answer would be, oh, this sounds like a song for a 12 year old. So let's examine for a second. I don't want to overexamine this, but because I, I don't really want to focus on the moral argument of, not the oral argument, the moral argument of why is Ariana Grande singing about sex in a song that seems like it's aimed at preteens. I'm not here to get into that argument from like a parent's perspective of, oh, that's bad for kids and this and that. Like, Although there is that. But this is something that I feel like has always sort of shaded my enjoyment of her music specifically is I'm like, who is this for? Like, like you can be catchy while still being adult and not sound like you're still doing songs for Disney, which I think is still like, she gets stuck in that sort of Disney mindset sometimes where she wants so badly to be taken serious as this sort of adult, you know, talking about adult topics. But 
you know, my deeper issue, and that's what I'm going to get into here. And I've got an accompanying timeline to go with this. And by the way, I'm in no position to, you know, judge someone's love life or their, their dating history. Trust me, me of all people, I'm not in a position to judge that specifically. You know, she wants to bat around, strike out quite a bit. That's fine. I'm someone when I, if, if we transition over to a basketball analogy, I'm someone that likes to shoot a lot and maybe I'm not exactly efficient, but I like to score. We'll let you do whatever you want with the metaphors there. When it comes to her and her music, because the thing with her is she is, if not the most talented, one of the most talented voices, most dynamic voices, strong, powerful, can do anything. You've seen her on Jimmy Fallon and all these different places doing impressions of other singers. She's doing impressions of Celine Dion, Celine Dion, who has an all-time powerful, strong, great voice. She's doing like a pitch-perfect impression of her, and it's not even Ariana's best impression. Like, her range, her she's incredible as just a talent and as someone that clearly has worked on her craft and and practiced. Like, so that part I'm not knocking her for. I think, that, and that's one of the reasons I enjoy her music the times that I do enjoy it is because I'm like, man, she's good. Like, she's got it. But she keeps getting roped into this whole, like, bubblegum 12-year-old stuff. And it's like, am I even even speaking to her appearance? Because that she really can't help. I mean, she plays into it sometimes. But she's built how she's built. That's always going to be her look. It just is what it is. So I'm not even here to really talk about that. But, you know, the thing that I've taken issue with, and again, I've mentioned this, you know, in the past, is... Let's just go back. Let's venture back, shall we? Little under three years ago. We're, let's, uh, you know, come with me, if you will, to May of 2018. Ariana Grande is in a relationship with Mac Miller. May he rest in peace as well. Um, that relationship ends. She moves on. You know, and they had a history together. Obviously, they'd been in a relationship. They'd done music together. Um, although her and Big Sean did music together. They dated. Anyway, again, I don't want to get into all that. I just want to focus on 2018. She's in this relationship. It ends. Um, and I'll, I'll, def- I'll definitely talk more about Mac Miller as we go as well. But on a parallel um, path is... Um, Saturday Night Live cast member, comedian Pete Davidson. This is well documented by now. He had been in a relationship. That relationship ends. And so him and Ariana, had they started seeing each other. Now, they had apparently struck up a friendship when she had been on SNL in 2016, I believe it was. Um, had worked to, had even worked together on screen at one point, developed a bit of a friendship and a thing. And, um, and, and again, a lot of that's well documented. So... A month later, early June 2018, Ariana Grande gets engaged, and I typed engaged in all caps to put emphasis on it, to Pete Davidson, who, as I mentioned, also just came out of a relationship. So great. You fall in love, you fall in love. We'll come back around to that here in a minute. On August 17th of 2018, Grande releases her new album, Sweetener, which is her fourth studio album. Three weeks later, 
the three weeks thing is going to come back into play here in a second. Three weeks after her uh, new album, unfortunately, Mac Miller dies of an accidental overdose of fentanyl, cocaine, and alcohol. Now, it's worth noting that he had struggled with drug issues before. Well documented. He had talked about it openly and said, yeah, I'm addicted to certain things. Uh, codeine syrup, you know, what you hear rappers refer to as purple drink and stuff like that all the time. That was something that he had developed an addiction um, to and was struggling mightily with and trying to, to break that. Um, I'm not necessarily linking the drug use or the overdose or anything to depression stemming from Ariana and Pete's relationship, but I can imagine that it at least factored into it somehow. I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. I'm just speculating, but it stands to reason, um, especially as someone who had struggled with this stuff before, how certain things may have triggered a desire to fall back into those patterns. Um, so yeah, September 7th, of 2018 is when Mac Miller uh, passes away from an overdose. On October 14th, so about five weeks later, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson break up. And if you had kept up during that time frame, the writing was kind of on the wall where, and this is where my issues with Ariana really start to take hold. During that five-week span, her and Pete are still together. Mac Miller's unfortunate passing became less and less about Mac's struggle with addiction and depression and his, you know, his actual death and how his friends and family were dealing with it. It became all about how Ariana was dealing with it. How does she feel? How is she dealing with it? How's this? Pete Davidson is getting asked questions about in the media about how Ariana feels about Mac's death. Like, I can imagine that's slightly awkward, even as someone that like, obviously you would never wish death on anyone, but man, like I, I'm first of all, he jumps in this relationship, this engagement as well, knowing full well how soon it is from this, you know, very important relationship in Ariana's life. Now he's getting asked questions about, Hey, like, how does she feel? Like that is deeply uncomfortable. And also, she's continuously in the media talking and like making all of this about herself. It's never about Mac. It's never about his family. It's how is she dealing with it? Okay. So, remember I said three weeks would come back into play? Three weeks later, after, her, after she ends the engagement with Pete Davidson, on November 3rd, three weeks later, Ariana Grande's new single... Thank you. Next is released. I want you to think for just a moment about how brazen and toxic and just selfish and narcissistic. First of all, to you make all of this about yourself and then, oh, by the way, I have new music coming out. Not only do you have new music coming out, it's not about, hey, rest in peace, Mac, I you know, miss you, whatever. It's a song about mocking your ex-boyfriends and thanking them for you being stronger. Have you ever considered, and again, for anyone listening, I understand the irony in me asking this question. Have you ever considered, Ariana, that you are the toxic one? You are the selfish one. You are the cheater, by the way. We'll throw that out there. You're the one that causes your relationships to not work. You're the one that rushes into everything. You're the one that has no regard for anyone else's feelings, but your own. 
And I would say until you have an album to promote, but even when you have an album to promote, you don't make it about anyone else other than you. So, oh, and as a bonus, um, bonus, um, on February 8th, 2019, the album Thank You Next is released as Ariana's fifth studio album. So a mere six months after her fourth album, she rushes in the studio to make Mac Miller's death um, an excuse for her to sell more crappy songs for 12-year-olds. Thank You Next is released, um, so we can thank, um, you know, we can thank her for that if you want to. So, you know, again, she's talented. She's great. Um, she's even really funny. I've, I've seen her on talk shows and stuff. She's a great sense of humor. But there's just certain things that I, I constantly wonder if this isn't fair. But I just thought of this earlier. If you make it someone else, if you make it someone that isn't as quote unquote adorable as she is, how well does this go over? You know, especially in, especially in an environment where we're canceling everyone and everything, if they do something wrong, it's baffling to me that Ariana continuously gets rewarded, um, for these things. Now there's disputes out there that her, you know, most recent album, um, did positions I think it well yeah like didn't do as well as expected and you know is this to blame or was it the pandemic no one really knows for sure and I take all that stuff with a grain of salt anyway because people just don't really consume music the way that they used to anyway um but you know a lot of anytime I hear Ariana um it makes me uncomfortable I remember you know a lot of people you know protest things and I guess talking about canceling things I remember um, early in 2019, I remember I had just started doing stand up, and I felt this way about Ariana then because we were just fresh off of the whole "Thank You Next" thing and all that. I remember when Two Chains came out with his album "Rapper Go to the League," and there's a song with uh, Ariana on there um, because you know artists get credit for streaming and publishing and all that stuff, even on streaming platforms and everything. It, the money's a lot more difficult than it used to be, but in some ways it's easier, some ways it's harder. But I remember I downloaded that album because I love like when new two chain stuff comes out. I downloaded every song on the album except for the one that had her in it. And so that whenever I would listen to it on my phone, I would just listen to those songs and not the one with her. That way, if somehow she got credit for the streaming, like she wasn't going to get it from me, if that makes any sense. And I know that's petty, but I was like, nah, like this is my way of doing this, like every other two change track on here I'm good with not that one. And so again, if I hear it on the radio, sure, but I definitely don't seek out. It's one of my silent protests. I definitely don't seek out her music. Uh, if it comes on, if I have like a, a radio, um, whether whoever it may be, you know, boys to men radio, whatever. And one of her songs sneaks on there. I make sure I click away from it. Um, as soon as possible if I can. So anyway, uh, speaking of clicking away, uh, weird transition again. Um, speaking of clicking away and, and you know losing you know followers and stuff, I want to talk for a minute about um, ESPN, and I want to do a plug as well, not for me, but uh, up until recently, my favorite show, uh, the the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gotts was on ESPN, ESPN Radio, um, and I had discovered Dan uh, back. Well, I guess when Highly Questionable first started, back when uh, LeBron James moved to the heat and, you know, everything Miami was getting covered, you know, LMFAO was like the hottest hip-hop group in the world for like three months. And 
I discovered that show one day after work and fell in love with Dan and the crew. I found, you know, seek them out on radio. Anyway, long story short, uh, early this month, early January, rather, uh, they left ESPN are kind of doing their own thing. Now they have their own, uh, network that they're not their own network, but their own company that they're starting soon. They're still doing, um, the podcast. So I, I'd go, I'd strongly recommend, uh, checking Dan and, and Stu out, uh, wherever you get your podcast from. And he already covered this story earlier this week, um, in much better detail than I will. And he's a much better, you know, journalist and speaker uh, than I am clearly. Uh, but this, when I heard him talk about it, it was um, unsettling. And it was unsettling for a number of reasons. Uh, when you think about, um, I don't really want to get political again, but if you think about the previous four years and what we endured uh, and lived through and with with President Trump was, you heard early on, even before he got elected, you heard the term fake news being thrown around a lot to the point where it became a joke. It became a meme, fake news. If, if someone says something about you, you don't like, or you don't want to believe, whatever, you just say fake news. And that basically makes it goes, make, excuse me, makes it go away. But the drawback to this is, is now how do we consume any news? We only consume whatever news we want. And we just sort of ignore the rest, especially in a culture where you see it on Facebook. You know, it used to be even before Facebook became, you know, basically the world was if it's on the Internet, it must be true. That was like the running joke for a long time. And Facebook has just taken that, you know, Twitter, all these other places have taken that parlor. If you're into that sort of thing, have taken things to a whole new level where um, you can just read a headline and just believe it and run with it and there are no checks and balances anymore. There's no real way to fact check much of anything anymore. So I say all that to say this, what is the journalistic integrity of ESPN? Like wh what is that integrity supposed to be? What are those checks and balances supposed to be? Because I think when you go to ESPN.com, you're usually not going, sometimes you do, but you're usually not going to get a detailed journalistic report of this story, that story, whatever. You want to see the score of the game. You want to see, hey, Tennessee beat Kansas in basketball yesterday. Hey, you know, the Jaguars are getting the number one pick. Hey, like you want to see these news items, these headlines, but you don't want to like actually read stories. Like why bother reading when you can just get it like that? When you can have that knowledge right away, why why even create a need to seek it? And that's the that's a deeper issue. We'll talk about that some other time. So with ESPN, what is their responsibility to be, you know, to show integrity when it comes to reporting a story? Because I can understand to an extent, you don't want to over-report two things. One, you don't want to over-report a story if you don't have all the facts. I totally understand that. But also, people want less and less now especially after the last four years to have politics mixed in with their sports. They want to, whether there's fans in the crowd or not, which also is a political thing, unfortunately, whether there's fans there or not, we just want to tune in, watch the game and go about our lives. Oh, it was a good game. Cool. Uh, people didn't want to see people kneeling for the anthem. They didn't want to hear, you know, Beyonce's anti-police officer halftime show. They didn't want all that. They didn't want politics in their sports. Kurt Schilling uh, didn't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, probably in part to what his politics are now, where he's extreme, 
you know, right wing. And I think people were afraid of what he might say at the podium. So he didn't make it again. That's me speculating, but I can imagine that that factored into it somehow, whether uh, subliminal subliminally or not. So I asked the question again, I promise I'm getting to a point. What's the integrity that you're supposed to have when reporting on literally what pays you? Um, you know, the two biggest money makers for ESPN are their contract with the NFL and the exclusive rights to report and do all that stuff. And the UFC, the UFC contract is worth $1.5 billion. And I ask that because we just had a week ago, we just had a fight, which Conor McGregor lost, by the way. But we just had a fight starring Conor McGregor, the biggest star, you know, in the UFC. And I'm made deeply uncomfortable when I... And this is how I tie it back to the whole Facebook thing. I get on Facebook and I see memes and these stories and stuff like this about Conor McGregor met his sweetheart back in 2003, 2004, whenever it was. And she stuck by him when he was broke. And it shows pictures of them hugging and kissing. And, you know, and someone shares a story. I saw a, a young lady that I'm friends with on Facebook shared it the other day and said, why can't I find a love like this? And I get it. But. I'm made uncomfortable when I read stuff like that because there were no criminal charges filed, but he was accused of rape back in 2018 by her name's not listed here. And this is a, an article you can find a really long article, by the way, on the daily beast. You can look it up. Just look up Connor McGregor, the daily beast. I've got the article right in front of me and I'm not going to read all of it. Um, but there's stuff in here that's unsettling. And again, you can make the argument, well, ESPN doesn't want to report on this stuff because the facts aren't in, whatever. But it's 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 strange to... Let me just read this real quick. So there was a sports center, January 19th, again, back in 2018. What a weird year. On the Tuesday evening edition of Sports Center, ESPN described the sexual assault allegation as... As a, quote, alleged personal injury, end quote, the, quote, situation, end quote, as they phrased it, had been investigated by police, though charges had not been filed. The anchor noted they'd confirmed this information with McGregor's lawyer and added that McGregor had denied the allegations. The following morning, a different sports center anchor recited the exact same script. The segment was then followed by a commercial starring McGregor for a brand of whiskey founded by McGregor. Now, that's just uncomfortable. It's slightly funny in some ways, and that's by no means to make light of the story, but it's like, hey, this superstar is facing rape charges. Here's a commercial with him in an advertising whiskey. Whiskey that... Anyway, so um, I won't go there. Um, this victim had described um, feeling like she was in the octagon with him and claiming she had to tap out. Now, also... If you go back and do your research, and this is also in the article, but the article also tells you to go back and do your research. If you dig far enough, you can find other women that have accused him of similar things, which is, in this particular instance, this woman um, was apparently invited to his hotel room where he propositioned her, and when she didn't comply, he tried to force her to. Um, it's worth noting, though, and the reason I've read that thing with quotations was they never mentioned... Um, the words rape or sexual assault, they just mentioned alleged personal injury, which um, if this were like a strictly domestic dispute, then that might be terminology that you would use. But this 
is deeper and worse uh, than that. If it's a sexual assault, then you should probably, you could even say attempted sexual assault, but you need to at least call it that. Those descriptors are very important. You know, there's also, um, and again, there's a lot of words to this article. I'm not going to um, read all those, but again, it's it's worth noting that, you know, he was, and I'm trying to be upfront about this, he was never criminally convicted, although there is a civil suit out now. Um, but none of this stuff's ever really mentioned. Uh, I was texting a friend of mine earlier and was talking about Conor McGregor, and I was like, it's uncomfortable. I just mentioned this to this person. I said, it's kind of uncomfortable that we, you know, speak of this person as if there's some sort of hero when never mind like the racist, the racism and bigotry that he's spewed, which I'll go to here in a second. But, you know, there's cases out there against him. And it's weird to me that women that I respect a great deal will post these things about him as if he's some sort of hero. I want someone to love me the way Connor loves his. It's like, okay, well, okay. I'm not saying that this stuff is true, but I'm also not saying that it isn't like, it's just important information to have. It's the same people that like, I tell the story to friends of mine all the time. I remember 2017, I went with my then girlfriend to a Chris Brown concert. A bunch of people showed up. I mean, like a bunch of people like came out, there were cameos and stuff, but like it, I went to see Chris Brown. It is what it is. I've enjoyed his music. I've enjoyed it for a long time. Um, I'm not saying that he's the greatest character in the world, but his music, you know, I know that a lot of that probably contradicts a lot of the Ariana Grande stuff I just said earlier. And that's fine. We like what we like. So, but I remember I posted like a, a, a 10 second snippet, you know, on Facebook at the time, I think of, you know, him performing one of the songs. It was, I think it was, a. Uh, Excuse me, miss. One of his old classic songs. It's such a throwback or whatever. And, uh, or excuse me, yo, excuse me, miss. Excuse me, miss is the Jay-Z song. Um, but, so I remember posting that. And a guy that I don't know, by the way, I don't know how he even saw it, posted on my thing and said, it's a shame that you would, you know, promote someone that beats women like this. And so I thought, before I respond, let me do a little research on this guy, see what he's all about. So I, I clicked on his page, clicked on his on Facebook and click on his likes. And the very first thing like under like sports, because you can go look and see what people like as far as like what their, what pages they follow and are a fan of the very first one was Mike Tyson. I'll just let that sit there for a second for someone that's accusing me of, you know, promoting someone that abuses women. It's like, if you're going to, you might want to keep that same energy when you're, you know, rooting for Mike Tyson and that's the that's the argument that I was making with a friend of mine the other day was I was like it's weird that you would criticize me for going to a Chris Brown concert but yet you bought the Conor McGregor fight. It's it's the demarcation that we make sometimes with the things we choose to be offended by. And honestly, these things like if and when they're true, obviously they're awful. Obviously you should take a moral stand wherever you see fit. I'm always advocating we'll keep that same energy when it comes to those other things though. Be mindful and understand how those things can also affect, you know, all the other stuff because, you know, it's the same way when people are like, well, I refuse to eat Chick-fil-A because of their views on this and that and the other. And it's like, okay, well, make sure you do that same digging though on all the other companies you support because they may also have policies that you don't appreciate. Like your local grocery store might support a political candidate that you don't approve of. Like th there's a million things that, and sometimes it is nitpicking. But other times you, you kind of have to pick and choose for yourself what's important and maybe don't tell people 
you know, what they should do with their time and their support. Because, you know, if you like Ariana Grande's music, keep listening to it. I'm just telling you, it's the Nate show. It's not the your show. Like, you do whatever you want. Like, I'm just telling you kind of how I feel. So that's just me. So back to Conor McGregor. And I mentioned before they had the $1.5 billion five-year contract with ESPN, the UFC does. Um, there was an ESPN spokesperson that was asked uh, to respond. They declined to, but it says they did not respond when asked whether their ability to report on McGregor is in any way compromised by their financial relationship with UFC. Of course it is, dude. Of course it is. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. It, it, what responsibility does ESPN have to report, you know, quote unquote, the facts when it comes to you know, Conor McGregor, when it comes to concussion protocols, the NFL, um, all this stuff. If they just want to be an entertainment company and just show the entertainment, then just be an entertainment company and show the entertainment. Again, that's fine if that's what you choose to do. But also don't pick and choose when you're a journalism company and when you're not a journalism company. So don't, and I'm saying this as someone that supports, you know, the NBA running, you know, Black Lives Matter on the courts and everything. Don't pick and choose even then ESPN. Don't say, well, this is okay, but this over here is like, if you're going to, I think that there's a healthy amount of allowing people to speak their mind. That's important. Uh, But also if you're going to allow people to speak their mind, you better have journalistic voices that speak theirs when it comes to things that are purely unequivocally wrong going on in the sports that you're covering. So um, I'm flipping through this and I want to get off of this because this is way more serious uh, of an episode than I wanted to do. Um, But, you know, we we come around, speaking of McGregor, we come around to, you know, and pardon some of the language here if there are any children present. um, A few examples of some other unseemly things that McGregor's uh, done in his career as far as, you know, some bigotry and racist and xenophobic comments are McGregor branded a Mexican-American MMA fighter, a quote, cholo gangster from the hood, end quote, called Floyd Mayweather, quote, boy, end quote, and said black boxers, said that black boxers in the movie Rocky Three looked like, quote, dancing monkeys, end quote. And so none of this is good. When he fought Khabib, he accused Khabib's wife of, you know, he referred to her as, quote, a towel, end quote. Um, he did apologize uh, for this next one, but he was caught on tape at one point whispering to a training, whispering to a training partner, quote, I never knew he was a faggot, end quote. So, like, there are a lot of things that are unseemly, and there may be a lot of reasons you should maybe not wish that, uh, you know, you had a love like Conor McGregor's or, you know. I mean, you can wish that you had his money. You can wish that you had his fighting ability, even though he got his ass knocked out the other day. I mean, you can wish that. I mean, but, you know, as far as the, you know, the, you know, I know Sean Kingston had a song called Love Like This. Maybe you should go for Sean Kingston's kind of love. And um, I don't even know. I probably shouldn't even say that. I don't even know what, you know, Sean Kingston is uh, up to these days. As a matter of fact, as we're talking on here, because I'm going to need a way out of this conversation in away towards the intro of this particular episode uh let's move over and see what sean kingston is up to these days um i'm looking at his wikipedia page which you know is always accurate um let's see here he had a jet skiing accident 2010 yikes um um he in a yeah jet skiing accident 
Um, it says that he was cited uh, for a careless operation, uh, required to pay a $180 fine. Uh, by 2018, he had begun to ride jet skis again. So it took a little eight-year break from jet skis. And uh, for those of you that tuned in to this episode today, wanting some breaking news yet again, more news from 2018, Sean Kingston is back and he's riding jet skis again. Um, so awkwardly, that is the end of this episode of the Nate Show podcast. Again, if you want more content, I'm not sure why you would, but if you want more content like this, you can go to the Nate Show 423.com. Matter of fact, you'll get content that isn't like this because we actually like to have fun here on the Nate Show. There's going to be so much fun stuff coming up. Um, I kind of already knew I was going to be in a dark and sort of brooding mood considering the news that I've relayed to you about Alexis. So again, um, I apologize for that. And, uh, you know, again, the 15th, uh, I'm always awkward at these, February 15th, we'll have a new episode. We'll be coming, you know, fresh out of Valentine's Day. So, you know, I'll be in a great mood that day. Um, so stay tuned for more episodes. Have a nice day. Episodes too, not episodes, episodes. See ya. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Nate Show Podcast. Make sure that you head over to thenateshow423.com, where you can follow this podcast and everything else that's going on with The Nate Show. I hope to have you back next time, but if not, I get it.